Welcome to the Knights and Rogue Weekend Startups Podcast. <laughs> Craig, Dave, and Ken are now all in Vegas. We just finished up MicroConf 2016, which is MicroConf number nine. And uh, I have to say, it was just as amazing as usual. What do you guys think? You have to say that? Well, Rob and Mike didn't pay me to say it, no. But no I'm motivated to say that because it really was great. Oh, shit. Is your wife calling you? My wife over? is not calling Does she not know our podcasting <laughs> schedule? All right, you got the whole podcast. Hey there! Are you looking to take your family life to the next level? One where you're in charge and free to set your own hours? You've come to the right place. Each and every week, we share the highs, lows, ups, and downs as we grow our businesses from zero to hero. Welcome to the Nights and Weekends Podcast with Craig Hewitt and Ken Wallace. All right, welcome to the 2016 MicroConf Raw Live and Uncensored with the Rogue Nights and Weekends Startups Podcast. With Ken, Dave, and Craig. Hey guys, how's it going? Hello, Dave. We finally found a quiet space yeah. in this, like, what would you call it? A nightclub. Nightclub, yeah, yeah. It's oots, 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 oots. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're like on the third floor of the nightclub. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this is uh, the last day of MicroConf, and it's been it's been really great, I think. It's, it's been, it's my first MicroConf, but... Uh, a lot of really great talks and, and really inspiring, I think, for a lot of reasons. Absolutely. This is my sixth microconf. How many have you done, Ken? This is my fourth. Your fourth. Okay. So. And technically, this is Craig's second sure. microconf, yeah. first stateside. Today's talks left my brain absolutely spinning. What were your favorite moments, Dave? The last talk really stuck with me, uh, which was the one by Lars Lofgren. And he was basically talking about the three levers of SaaS growth. And Lars, being a super smart guy, he you know dropped all kinds of huge knowledge bombs and brought just tons of statistics to the table and lots of experience and some anecdotal stories. I just love shit like that. I mean, those are my favorite talks at MicroConf. And I don't know if that's necessarily my one favorite talk because there was a lot of great stuff there. There was a great story about teamwork uh, that Peter gave today about how he grew and spent $675,000 on a domain, which sounded like, I'm sure at the time, a really fucking stupid decision until you look at his revenue growth and it's like, in a year, they had yeah. made that and, and then some. So yeah, Peter Coppinger of Teamwork uh, gave an amazing talk today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing, the thing about Lars is Lars was kind of like chief growth officer or whatever of KISS Metrics and now for Ramit Sethi with I'll Teach You To Be Rich. So I mean he's not just theoretical stuff like in a vacuum but he's been there and he's grown these companies and implemented these huge marketing plans and conversion optimization and everything. So I, I agree I and mean, I think his talk today and the talk from Price Intelligently yesterday Oh yeah. Really yeah. kind of capped together like they do how you how you build and, and kind of optimize your funnel and then how you, you extract the most value out of your customers. Yeah. And how you get the most out of your qualitative and quantitative analytics. Uh, the, the Yesterday's talk from Price, Price Intelligently was, I mean, that helped me tremendously in thinking about a way to take customer feedback and translate that into quantitative data that can help me make a decision, decision on how I need to price my products or how I need to decide which is the next feature to offer. Yeah, and Patrick's not just one of these like just charge more guys, which which I, there's nothing wrong with the just charge more. 
monster. Different but, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So but, Patrick Campbell from Patrick Campbell, uh, yeah. Right, right. But but it's it's very sort of thoughtful talking about like does uh, a style of pricing make sense and and like are you around your customer persona and are they perceiving the right amount of value from from what you're you're wanting to charge to be able for you to ju- justify it to them if you're in like that high tech high touch situation. I think I think that was good. But you know I the the one kind of sleeper talk that that I really liked was Anna from Drip. Yes. She talked about like automating and streamlining uh, demos and sales calls really. And uh, I mean for podcast matter we do a lot of that kind of like it's our version of a demo. Um, she's got it down to a science now. It's interesting to hear how you know the the process she adopted really from Rob when he was you know, to offloading that to her and how she's iterated it to now like the sixth iteration of it uh, has really come a long way and it, it seems like it can scale pretty good there and I would suppose it'll go from her to someone else or to multiple people like her soon. Yeah, I'll be taking a lot of notes from that talk to my day job where we do a lot of product demos. So the attendee talk that I liked the most was actually, I liked Anna's, Anna's was good, but the one that I really resonated with was the one that was given by Ben Orenstein, mm. who runs Briefs, yes. and talking about just the lessons learned in onboarding, and the you know the traditional developer arrogance that we have, like I have totally solved this problem. Right. I understand this form better than anybody <laughs> else in the world. There's no way they could possibly misunderstand that. And in the first iteration, he's like, "Holy shit." I had no idea that they would run into those problems. Yeah. And then the ways he tried to fix it and the insights he gained, even by just like, all right, they don't understand this message. I'll just throw some text on the page. Nope, they missed that text. I'll move the text. Nope, they missed that text. I'll put the text in multiple places. Nope, they still missed the text. Even with their mouth sitting on the text, that would have answered the question. They didn't know how to answer the question. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So I thought those insights were super awesome. Yeah. I had heard some of that stuff at Big Snow Tiny Com. I've experienced a little of that before, yeah. Yeah. But it was great to hear it again, and I, I particularly enjoyed that talk, although there were a lot of good attendee talks as well. I love the anecdotes about you know, leaving an hour between demos, and then they would frantically try to fix all the problems and then deploy two minutes before the next demo. Uh, that resonated with me, because my first job, we did a ton of that. <laughs> Dude, that's the best practice. It was heart-stopping. It was literally, <laughs> I, re- I remember deploying code during a, like a demo. Like Imagine a keynote speech where if Steve Jobs is on the stage demoing software that you written and as he goes screen by screen you're just a screen ahead of him fixing bugs uh, and you're listening on speakerphone with it on mute and you're like oh boy he's getting ready to click that button I better make sure the button works you know what I mean and so the screen behind the button doesn't work yet we haven't finished it you know it's not a good place to be but just to like I get to back up to the premise of Ben's story was uh, lessons learned from from manually onboarding fifty customers, yeah. and so with briefs after they wrote it, they did like a four day startup challenge kind of thing. They screen shared with their first fifty customers and actually watched them onboard into their app. Uh, I think we talk a lot about like talking to your customer and doing customer development stuff. They already knew that the premise behind brief was there, but then just from an onboarding perspective, really got to know their customers. Uh, I, I've not heard anything like that. Like you hear, it like customer development before you build your app, or or to understand you know how they're using it or something like that, but not for onboarding. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think if you can segment out each part of your business like that to do customer development specifically for that, you can really see some optimization growth. I think. 
another anecdote that really stuck out to me was when the first day uh, Des Trainer said that we all talk about dog fooding our own apps if you're doing a you know project management app or whatever, and we dog fooded it. But you don't just feed your dog one can of food and not feed him again for three months. So we need to be constantly, every day, using our app again. Use that onboarding process all the time. He's got a team of people that just hits that onboarding process over and over again. Um, yes, and I watched you go through your onboarding process immediately yes. after he said that. We're <laughs> going on mastermindjam.com yeah. going, huh, I wonder what my sign-up process looks right. like right And now. I went through three or four times as yeah. he was talking, thinking, you know, it's been a long time since I've actually hit all the different gates and things that people can go through. And maybe I've left a pitfall in here where they don't go through the, the workflow. So it, it really was a good wake-up call. Just yeah. that anecdote of you wouldn't feed your dog just once. So stop calling it eating your own dog food if you tried it once. Yeah. Yeah, his quote was, the one thing every customer does is sign on. Yeah. So that's like the first place you have to fuck up or be successful. Yeah, yeah the first place you can optimize and see immediate gains. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the first place they can fall out of your funnel or churn or you know, whatever the case may be. So I think there was, if I'm looking across all the talks this year, one thing that was kind of interesting that several, not all of the talks, but several of them specifically hit on, and it was really about onboarding. Like, making sure that you understand the onboarding process, and if you're going to try to optimize your churn and fix the problems that you've got, the, one of the best places to do that is to do an optimized onboarding process and truly understand where your customers are falling out of the funnel. Yeah. And it, those those were the things that sort of stood out to me. And of course, Ben's talk was all about manually onboarding these customers here, trying to understand where is it that they struggle? You know, what does it look like on Firefox, Linux? And is it really weird compared to everything else? What happens when there's a password manager on the screen? Things you don't even think about when you've got that form in your, you know, your browser and you're doing the development and you're setting this up and you're thinking, how are they going to go through this? Well, all that stuff never pops up until much, much later. So if I had to pick a, a theme, for me, it was about onboarding this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I did notice that as, as we've gone to more microcomps, early microcomps felt like it was focused on tools and, and tactics to get customers to know about you, content marketing techniques and tools to use to, to drive traffic. And then a subsequent year was a lot of talks focused on um, copywriting on your landing pages and landing pages and, and how to... Um, get people to, to understand your message when they're at your site. And then the following here is how to convert people, what to put on buttons and what to do after they click sign up and how to um, um, use tiered pricing to your advantage. And this year was very much focused on what happens after a person signs up and how do you keep them from churning and how do you make sure they have the best experience once they sign up. I, you know, just looking from year to year, it's interesting to see the progression because very much so the organizers of this are, I mean, their businesses are going through a life cycle. And I'm, I'm wondering if some of these talks reflect the life cycles that the attendees and the organizers are going through. Entirely possible. It's hard to say. I know that when they go and pick out speakers, you know, I talked with Mike about this because he's in our mastermind. And he, they, you know, they specifically try to get a mixture of speakers, but I don't know they specifically go out with a topic in mind. Yeah. They... They look for businesses that basically fit a certain profile, right? And I think they want to make sure they get a you know a nice diverse set of voices that are up there on the stage, so it's yeah. not just all one type of business or all one type of person. Uh, and I think they've done a pretty good job with that this year. But 
the fact that it just kind of ended up with an underlying theme, at least in four different talks, is kind of interesting. It is interesting. I, I know it was talked about in a lot of like dinner settings. You know, attendees go out to dinner and or lunch. A lot of lunch tables were discussing how it's a little different this year. It feels a little bit more business of software and less. Here's how to pick your idea. Here's how to build a landing page. You know, here's how to get people to your. Here's how to buy Facebook ads. You know, there's a little less of that this year. I think it's sort of a natural selection of the the people who keep wanting to come. Yeah. Uh, and or maybe even on an an early enough list to get here, those people have been involved in the community long enough to be ready to talk about these kinds of things. Whereas someone who's new to the academy, you know, it it, it isn't ready to talk about these kinds of things. So it's I think they're rightfully choosing these topics yeah you say rightful it's not a matter that I was it's not a weakness I'm just just observing no, no, no. it just yeah. feels like a interesting path and it's not like it's left me behind either because I feel very much into it because even some of the talks that were way past where my side business is I can apply it directly in my day job right and add value there as an entrepreneur you know not so much as an entrepreneur so um, I do I got a ton of value and the head's still spinning about all this like a soup of <laughs> Info. Yeah. The one thing that I, I uh, a lot of people have been talking about, talking about like where people are in their uh, journey of, of their business. A lot of people here, I feel like, have some traction and have some level of business, uh, and are, are asking themselves, "How do I get whatever from five to twenty thousand? And, and so, there's a lot of talks about like. From a marketing perspective, how do I amplify what I'm already doing or find a new strategy or implement a new channel or something like that? I, I think it's it was talked around a lot today mm -hmm. uh, and yesterday, um, but, but I think that, yeah, there are a lot of people here who are already into something and are looking for the way to kind of kickstart their business to the next level. Lars talks about it a little bit today where he said... You'll, you'll find a new channel, you'll ride it for a year, and then it'll plateau, and you got to find another channel ride it for another year and then it will plateau and it's always kind of this iteration I, I feel like a lot of people came into this saying I don't know what the fuck to do hopefully they found like oh well you just need to try one of those things let it ride for a while experiment test see how it goes and then and then iterate from there but that was the talking about the, the theme of the a lot of the conversations I've been having is like I got some level of revenue in business how do I get to the next level and, yeah and I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that came to microconf this year looking to get a specific thing, you know, a specific piece of knowledge um, to, to, to illuminate the path forward. So that was interesting. In past years, I remember standing in line for the meatloaf bar at, at the Tropicana thinking, um, you know, man, I, I don't even have an idea that works yet. And two or three guys standing around next to me sit down with their lunch trays and, yeah, you know, my head's swimming because I don't even know what my business idea is, you know. I've had those conversations in past microcoms, but not this year. And I don't know if it's because of you know some kind of bias and who I talk to and sit with and you know um, I communicate don't, I with. don't necessarily think that's true because I, I felt I work in a room pretty well I get around I talk to a lot of people yeah I just I didn't overhear those conversations I didn't I didn't have those conversations this time I didn't find anybody that was really I, there were a couple of people that I saw that, that had that they were still looking for something but they were definitely in the minority yeah so on the very first day when they put up the first slide like what who was attending microconf they said 72% have launched right. something there. So I think that really reflects what we saw 
in the crowd, yeah. we talked to the 72%, not the 28%. Yeah, Although the, I never ran into the 2% essentially retired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really felt nice. disappointed. I was trying, you know. Must be nice. Yeah. Well, you know, like, to, to your point about the, the demographic, the, the lifespan of people's businesses, I did talk to a couple people who had had closed something down or were going to close something down. I think that you know the, the the conversation I had with them; those are very valuable lessons. I mean, those people got some scars and some lessons that they're looking to implement into a new business. Uh, and I think you know, Rob talks about like failing fast. I think those people have learned a lot. Maybe not like from the talks this year specifically. Although there was one that was very much about that mm-hmm. this year. But um, I think that there there's a lot of wisdom that comes with that. Is is jumping in, trying something maybe doesn't work as well or doesn't work at all. Uh, and then those people are armed with really powerful uh, intuition and, and specific knowledge to go on to whatever's next. So I think if, you know, they could be in that 72% that had launched something maybe, but not working out, realizing it, and, and at least doing kind of a massive pivot uh, into something else is, is really valuable. And those conversations were really memorable to me, I guess, like those one-off conversations really memorable to like This didn't work because of this, and they identified it they're not going to make that mistake again. Yeah. So what would you say is like your one most actionable takeaway? And it could be from the hallway track. It could be from a talk. It could be something totally different from this year's microconf. So knowing your customer persona and why they're buying really uh, guides a lot. It, it guides your marketing, it guides your pricing, it guides your customer service. And like Des talked about, sharing that vision with your team uh, so that everything they do revolves around you know, your, your customer persona and knowing who, who that person is and how we should be serving them. For me, that's, that's huge. Zara's a very specific person. Um, so yeah, for me, that was it. Uh, yeah, you stole mine. Customer persona is huge, but for a different reason because you want to you want to share that with your team and make sure everybody's on board. Um, for me, it's knowing whether or not there's any any more value I can bring to the product that I've built, and um, if I should just call it enough, like I've done enough in this area, and opportunity cost is too high to move forward, and maybe I should um, start looking elsewhere. So those are the kinds of thoughts I took away. And so a lot of the talks gave me different tidbits of information to build the framework for which I decide you know, how to move forward with that um, decision-making process. So it wasn't anything specific that I can say, aha, I'm going to use that idea, put it in my business, and that probably will you know, yield money. It's more like, now I have a framework by which to make a decision. I like that. Well, I like the customer persona stuff because, well, the, the, what the Patrick... Uh, Campbell talk where he specifically went through here's how you analyze a series of survey questions and turn that into a persona like I had never actually seen that process before yes I'm sure I had seen bits and pieces of it in various blog posts but it had never been laid out for me in sort of a succinct this is what we started with here's what we did with the data here's what you found in the data yes here's how we turned that into pieces of the customer persona like that kind of blew me away yeah. Like for me, I always thought the customer persona was kind of this hand wavy bullshit thing where you're like, okay, middle aged Mary is middle aged and 
she likes to quilt. And yeah, she probably wants to make money. If she loves her grandkids. Yeah, she loves <laughs> yeah, stupid stuff like that. I'm that like, doesn't help me. How can you figure this stuff out? Yeah. But the way that, that Patrick did it systematically, like with the demographic questions and the income questions... And willingness what, to pay, and yeah, willingness to pay, and price points that they thought it was too expensive and too cheap to be quality, and yes. I, that was brilliant. So, like, that finally put some boxes around that process where I was like, "How the hell do you make that?" Yeah, and then that talk immediately after, you know, I spent a lot of time with different people who are different stages of their business talking about, um, well, specifically my products, mastermind. So I, I take away, well, I clearly have. A, at least two, maybe three personas that I serve, what is the willingness to pay for certain products? Is there room for expansion that makes any meaningful difference in my business? So personas is something I immediately took away um, and started thinking about. So, Well, actually, none of those were the takeaways that I had. So probably my number one takeaway had nothing to do with the talks. It was a conversation I had with Chris Lehmann. So if you're not familiar with Chris, he's like a super WordPress influencer guy. Uh, major in the community, uh, very well known, has, runs a big blog and uh, talks about like membership plugin comparisons in WordPress and he attends a lot of WordCamps and anyway, yada yada. Very, very knowledgeable about the WordPress community and uh, how people behave and how people think and he knows about the developers and the users and the freelancers. So obviously I was very interested in uh, connecting with him. I tried to do it last year, I missed out a chance to do that this year. I was like, that's one of my top priorities. I managed to check that off in my boxes. And so I sat down and I said, you know, how can I grow or improve my directory plugin? And so his thing was, if you want to move up market, he said, how is it that people are finding your stuff right now? Is it that they searching on a directory plus a directory plugin WordPress? And I said, yeah, that's, that's probably pretty accurate. And he's like, that right there just self-selected the bottom of the market. And I was like, what? And he said, by having the word WordPress in there, people have decided what the solution has to be. And because they've picked the solution, that gives you a set of people that are already thinking about the cost of it, what's involved in it, how they want to structure it, which is a different set of customers than somebody who might be Googling, say, Yelp clone. Yeah. So they're looking for a specific solution, but they don't give a rat's ass what it actually is built in. It could be Java, Drupal, COBOL. They don't care. They really don't care. They want it working. They want it to look a certain way and function a certain way. Yeah. And so the difference between those two is the price that you can charge them. Yeah. Because if you're solution-oriented and say, I am the directory expert, you could charge a whole lot more than somebody who's like, oh, that's expensive for a WordPress plugin. Yeah. So that was a it was a brilliant insight. So I think that even goes to, to to pricing and sales copy and pricing structure. I mean, you're talking about sassifying a WordPress plugin. Uh, yeah, I think if you say we are the directory solution, we happen to use WordPress as kind of the core, and, and we're a plugin that stands on top of that. But you could do whatever you want in terms of business structure, there, right? Yeah. If that's yeah. how you position yourself, yeah. I think WordPress, I just talked to a lot of WordPress people here tonight more than I normally do, I guess. A lot of them are thinking about the same thing. You know, how, how do you take your, your, your WordPress plugin that's a one-time $40 sale and create 
the value that people are actually getting out of it, which is a real solution to big problems, Stripe or directories or, or whatever, uh, invoicing software that's built on WordPress and relay the value that people are getting and not just as a WordPress plugin, but as a solution to a problem. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. In fact, I was having a conversation with uh, another guy who's a freelancer and he runs an agency, has like five guys under him, and he's like a Joomla consultant. And he was basically saying, well, should I double down on consultancy or should I go for products? And I said, well, okay. At first, I didn't know he was actually this five-person agency. And then once I did finally realize that, I'm like, all right, well, what is it that you do? He's like, well, we're focused on Joomla technology. I said, no. I took that yeah. same thing from Chris. I said, what solutions yeah. are you providing? Mm. And he kept trying to focus on the technology. And I said, what kind of different sites? He's like, well, we built this and we built that. And then I was like, there's no commonality. I said, wait, stop. If you built five different types of sites, you are now the solution expert in site A, site B, site C. It doesn't really matter what you built them on. Yeah. What you are is that solution expert. And if you go and market yourself as that, not a Joomla shop, because no. that's not going to get you up market. Yeah. That's not going to get you commanding rates. If you wanted to double down on the consultancy, you've got to talk about the solution, not about we're tech people. Because yeah. I think that's what we want to fall back to as developers. I mean, I've always called myself a Java guy. But what I was is I'm an enterprise solutions expert. Right. Yeah. So I know about all the crazy stuff that you have to deal with in enterprise software. The fact that I know Java is a nice bonus, but it's not what I'm really selling. The void's commoditizing yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And he was definitely commoditizing himself. So mm. I hope he takes that and runs with it because he would probably be pretty successful. And I said, all right, if you don't believe me, take it to Heat and Shaw. Tell, me, tell him what you just <laughs> told me. <laughs> and if he says anything different, you let me know. Talk to a lot of developers and consultancy owners who are trying to decide that same decision. Should, should I double down on my consultancy or should I, like you know, the one speaker talked about, a, a day a week toward my products and then two days a week and get out of the consultancy. And you know, it comes down to, do you like consulting? Do you like running a consultant, consultancy? Do you like running a shop like that? If, if you do, double down on it. You know, if, if, you, if you see a clear path forward. But if it's something that you dread every day and you wake up hating it, you know, you got to find the path out. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's me, but I, I understand also that some people really enjoy it. Right. Because right. they've learned to love not, you know, doing Java for money. They learn to love solving a diverse set of customer problems. And every month I get a new set of customers with a different set of problems. It's never boring. And so there are definite plus sides if you think of it in that manner. Mm -hmm. And if, that, if that's what drives you and you yeah. like project management and you like the challenge of hiring people and getting new customers and closing sales, yeah. if all of that energizes you, consultancy is a great place and to be. to some regards, you're still your own boss. You can pick your own clients. You can, you know, you're writing the proposals. You're setting the prices. There's still a lot of dials to, to tweak that are similar to every other business here. But it's just a matter of what fits where, where you see your life. You know? Yeah. Not a lot of those people that prefer a consultancy here, right? You're right, correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about the products. I did run into a couple that are going to still do, be in consulting. Uh, one guy runs, uh, in fact, he came up to me asking if I um, had any advice or was willing to partner on um, healthcare-related stuff, and, and um, he wanted my, he's like, did you ever finish that HIPAA guide? Because I think you and I should partner together, and I'm just thinking, 
I don't really want to double down on something that like makes my eye twitch about my day job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is the thing that I'm already in therapy about being a consultant. Yeah, Please don't make me stay in the asylum. That's the part of the day job that is really hastening my exit. It's the part that keeps me up at night a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, I could do it and you know own my own, you know, own a certain amount of freedom by doing it. But that's. That's, that'd be like doubling down on the part I hate the most. Yeah, so yeah. I think everybody has to come to that decision. But for him, he finds it really interesting to be on the phone with like uh, uh, insurance companies and doctors and pharmacists. Yeah. Uh, and um, I actually talk, there's a pharmacist here, and he he actually runs a compounding pharmacy and, and software around that. And so um, yeah, I mean, you just got to find your own path. It, it may not look like everybody else's. I hate to get too uh, touchy feeling. That's very, meta, very much where my head's at after this program. Oh, we love you, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, but with that, to, to, that's kind of to the point, though. I think the the big picture is that there's something here for everybody. Everybody takes something very different away from the same eight talks, yeah. and that's kind of the beauty. Is like you you hear kind of what you need to hear a little. And take away and, and put it back into your business. It's kind of like going to church, you know. It finds you where you are, yeah. and so you, you pull out of the story or of the of the lesson or the talk or you know whatever um, what applies in your life. It's kind of like going to church as we're in the room with snakeskin. <laughs> as we're in the sin wallpaper. room, there is literally, <laughs> there is literally like a uh, some kind of absorbent cloth. In the I'm sorry, you guys go to weird churches if there's snakeskin on the walls. Uh, we're so in all the, the church Catholics of flesh. It's great. It's great. In fact, we're probably in a in a room that exemplifies everything that the world hates about America. You know. Yeah. Like, we're probably in a room where some very horrible acts have been committed. I was going to say, you guys have blacklight right now. I bet you they weren't horrible when they were happening. No blacklights here. I don't want to know. Oh, goodness. Oh, boy. So, yeah, every um, event in, at this year's microconf has been in these really cool, at the Palms, they have really cool clubs. So one time it was at the, what was it called, the moon? It was like uh-huh. a two two level nightclub with two fantastic balconies with 270 degree views of, of the strip in Las Vegas and the mountains. and it's just From the top amazing. of a 53 story building. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing. And uh, tonight it's just, it's the same thing. Obviously not the same high story view, but. But we're right next to the pool. It was outside. They wouldn't let us anywhere near the pool. Apparently, they're afraid that drunk people drown themselves. Yeah, that Ken was going to go skinny dipping. Yeah, nobody wants that. Nobody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> cool. Well, I think we'll be uh, we'll be back at it next week uh, to give some more updates on on the rest of our businesses and probably some things we're taking away and implementing from from the conference this week. And uh, I know just talking before we started recording, we're all super excited about taking the things we've learned and inspired with and going to put them to work in our businesses so should be interesting in the next couple of months to see where everything goes yes indeed yep cool upward and onward right on we're going to hockey stick growth from today guys that's right it's It's our our inflection point yeah Yeah. cool All right. Part two. We've got uh, Kai Davis from Double Your Audience and the honored Microcom scribe here. Einer Volset of Waxwing Wines, yes. Af- Aftercare, Productized Consulting. Assorted. Oh, 
<laughs> and uh, Scott Nixon from Happy Herbivore and Meal Mentor here along with uh, Craig, Ken, and I. So welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us here. Thank awesome. you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Does everybody have a drink of choice? Let's get, you know, first things first. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So for the audience that doesn't know, during the week of MicroConf, every evening there's a networking event. And the point of it is just to be drunk, right? No. The point of it is to meet people... <laughs> Meet people and talk about your business, and hopefully we can do some of that here too. Yeah, so we thought it'd be nice just to kind of, yeah, and now that Mike comes wrapping up, kind of what you're taking away and where you're going with your business here from, and maybe give a little perspective for people who aren't familiar with your business. What you know, kind of where you've been and where you're going. You think particularly things you're taking away from from MicroConf, Scott. Yeah, so we have a consumer kind of subscription business and. Um, it's been going on for about four and a half years, and so we finally added, created like an add-on. And so the, the, one of the things they talked about at the conference was revenue expansion, and that's really something that we're, we're working on to uh, basically – and we, we only sold to people who were already like our really, really good customers, um, and that went really, really well. Um, and because we really struggled like, oh, can we rep- you know, like reprice our existing subscription stuff? And we realized that we probably – we felt like we couldn't, but like adding an add-on that was a bit like really about like also helping people. It's actually a weight loss thing, so it's it's something that's a really important thing that our customers need. So we're normally just giving them a meal plan and helping them figure out their meals for the week, but need to like help them lose weight as well because that's a big issue for a lot of people. So the the customer persona and their buying logic was probably really pertinent, huh? Yeah, yeah, we did a big survey, um, uh, had about 350 responses, and like 80 plus percent of them all said that they had weight that they wanted to lose. And um, it's never been a focus of our product to lose weight, it's just kind of been like a result a lot of times, so that's definitely why we created this. Nice, nice. So let me ask you a quick question, Scott, about the personas. Uh, Have you guys gone and done the kind of detailed personas that you saw... Patrick Campbell talking about um, in terms of like doing the survey and then the data analysis and the demographic separation and then you know down to that level and willingness to pay and all of that stuff. Nobody's done this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Except for Patrick Campbell. It's, no, it's amazing. Yeah. His customers yeah. have done it, or the people who have paid him $20,000 to do it maybe have done it. Right. But, uh, I mean, we had some of that information, but never in like a single document or anything like that. Um, like we know customer lifetime value, um, we know we do know some some age demographic stuff, and we do know that like ninety percent are women and stuff like that. Um, but it's not. Um, what about stats like willingness to pay and no. the range where they feel like it's too low quality for them to pay for, or too, or too pricey for them to pay for? No, no. I mean, it, it, I think there might have been at one point where she kind of asked a little bit about pricing, but I, we don't have the data, and it was probably years ago. So. <laughs> it's all just off the top of our head. So, uh-huh. yeah, that was a huge takeaway for me. For this, it was like the level of detail that he explained his mom's quilt business yeah. made me feel like I could start a quilt business. Like it was that yeah. that deep of a roadmap. Yeah. There's no way I'd ever start a quilt business. would <laughs> 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 be perfect. Yeah, I kind of look like a quilt guy. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. So one of the things I really loved was is it, that's very tactical. Is this thing called Max Diff? And it allows you to put like four like like survey choices in front of them, and they have to pick the the of the features. 
like what's the most important feature to you and what's the least important feature to you and um, those are the only two things you can choose but it allows them customers have to like make a decision and so then you can in aggregate have all this information and it like really kind of tells you what's important to your customers so I thought that was really awesome so how about you, Kaya? I know you took a shit ton of notes here at this, and I'm looking forward to visiting microconfrecap.com to sort of shore up my own notes. But uh, what was uh, what was the biggest thing that you took away? The biggest thing I took away was a focus on pricing and really the research that goes into having effective pricing. I'm working with Jeremy from Remark.io, and we're uh, uh, we've been doing a lot of thinking about how we want to price our services effectively. Remark is a software as a service application that lets you take markdown documents and turn them into uh, beautiful, high quality documents, content upgrades, or eBooks. And we're solving a pain, we have customers who love what we're creating, but we're struggling with the idea of like, how do we price this? How should we tier the features? What exactly makes sense here? And there was a lot of actionable information in the day two talks that helped us understand the questions we should be asking current customers, past customers, prospective customers to get an idea of what they value and how we break that down into pricing tiers that make sense and appeal to them. Uh, uh, I can't remember which talk it came out of, but just that question of asking the customer, well, what would you pay for this? How much would you pay for this? What sort of pricing makes sense for this? What would you value this at? We started asking uh, customers that we knew attending MicroConf that, and the range of answers we got was really illuminating just to hear how people start to value what we're providing. Since we were playing darts in the dark before, uh, this MicroConf definitely gave us actionable questions to start asking our customers and our audience to inform us as we move forward. And the uh, talk on buyer personas blew us both out of the water. It's a way of approaching the marketing that we never even thought of, and we definitely had action items in terms of, well, who are our customer personas? What are their lifetime values? How much do we want to spend to acquire them? How do we want to focus our business on them? You guys think like strategically you'll you'll create that buyer persona and then inform it around your marketing and your sales copy and your social media. Will it will it be kind of uh, go across platforms or different parts of your business? Do you think entirely? I see the I see the concept of the buyer persona as it was presented here, informing our copywriting, our marketing, how we're targeting our advertising, paid or not. Uh, uh, messaging, email marketing, basically across the business, that concept plays very, very strongly. Einar, you want to catch us up a little bit on uh, what you've been doing since uh, last year with... uh, So which is the the primary focus for you? Is it productizedconsulting.com or app aftercare? Or are they really sort of mixed together? They're still mixed together. Like the main thing is still app aftercare. I'm sort of in a weird position with it because I know it's a real need and I'm like, well, maybe, I love that business. I don't know. Um, I, um, yeah, the productized consulting stuff, I, do need to focus on more. I met someone in the in the bar just before um, this afternoon, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, so what do you do?" And I was like, "Well, I do the part-time consulting." And he's like, "Oh, I know you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you changed my life, my business." And I was like, "Well, great." 
you should pay for my beer then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he did, so it was great. But um, yeah, my main focus has still been, you know, I've actually the, the problem I have is it's sort of splinter brain stuff. I have Paradise Consulting, I have Aftercare, I have Irish Signals, I have Antenna, I have just too much stuff going on. That's like basically my focus. I want to take away from this year is I need to do less shit. Mm-hmm. What's your revenue driver right now? What pays the mortgage? Uh, I've actually care still does. It's not crystal meth? Not crystal meth yet. Not. Well, <laughs> yeah. still, but you're still working your way to Breaking Bad and hoping for the best. For the hoping to play. He's taking a chemistry class. So. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so paring down your being spread too thin, what's the strategy there? See, that's an interesting question because I don't know. Like, it's, it really is because I'm like, you know, I talk to people about like, and I say about like, I'll ask you, like, I wouldn't mind selling it. Like, it, it brings in a quarter million dollars a year or so. Pretty much, not autopilot clearly, but, you know, enough that, you know, I have enough systems in place that people could come in without any app experience and just be like, take it over and just run it and just bring more to sales and you'd be okay. Um, but it's, it's just, I hate, as a tech guy, like a, I hate not being able to, on the sales front, being able to have a leverage that's like a tech leverage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I have a couple of different products that, you know, Scott knows particularly because we were in a mastermind together, but it's like just, just, don't like not having a business leverage that's also a technology leverage. And with App Aftercare, that's just not the case. Like, it's a, it's a compelling product and it makes a bunch of money and it, you could probably grow it to a million dollar business, but comparatively speaking, I don't know. Like, um, there are some other things that are going on that, you know, I could put the leverage in that would really make it big difference, like 10x, 100x, 1000x, that I can't do without aftercare. And that's probably why I'm thinking like, well, if the right buyer comes along, I'll probably sell it. How do you get involved in so many of your businesses? <laughs> Are you just susceptible to the shiny object and you're just like, sure, I'll do that too? No, they tend, well, yes, probably. But they end up being, these are all things that sort of grow out of shit that I need for myself, right? So. Accuracy signals, which I do, is just because that's how I sell app aftercare. Okay. You know, I decided that um, I needed a way to figure out, like, who are the best possible customers for app aftercare. Well, they're businesses of a certain size uh, in a certain industry, and they happened just to release an app on the app store and probably just paid six figures for it. So, how do you find out? who those people are when that happens. Well, you crawl the app store and you crawl Google Play every single fucking week and you cross-correlate it with, um, you know, with with company information and you end up with a list of these are the companies that fit your profile that, you know, just release an app in the app store. So you're just heading with it and you're like, you know what? Clearly you just spent six figures on your app. You may as well, you know, look after it. I have a shiny object problem where my wife tells me that if I were a woman, I'd always be pregnant because 
because I, I can never say no. It's, 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 that probably wasn't the most PC way to That's put so it. <laughs> We're sitting in a room with alligator skin walls. I feel I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just wonder because I can rationalize it. Like honestly, because like, I started out with like, you know, I'm after and it grows, it does well. And then, you know, people honestly, like at Microcom said, I'd like you to do that shit for me. And I'm like, well, pay me and I will. And so I started outreach signals. And then I just put up outreach signals and honestly took no sales. And I was like, fuck this shit. I don't want to take it anymore. But kept the sales page up. So every now and again, people came through. And I would have these conversations. And people were like, well, I want you to do recruiting for me using this tool. And I'm like, well, fuck, that's a great idea. So, so that's how I end up with like, you know, three or four or five different things. And I'm, my main focus is like not to do so much shit. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate you guys taking some time to chat with us about where your business have been, what you learned here and taking it away. It'd be interesting to catch up next year to see how the last year has gone. It's, uh, I think that's always cool to see. Everybody might cop holding each other accountable for the last year. So that's very cool. So thank you guys very much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Nights and Weekends podcast with Craig Hewitt and Ken Wallace. To stay up to date and learn more about balancing your family and your startup, visit www.nightsandweekendspodcast.com. We'll catch you next time.